if I'm going somewhere and there's ducks, I will stop what I'm doing to go and like interact with the ducks. What like when we talk about transform reduce, I'll be able to talk about how I met you. Oh, is this is this a PG rated podcast? No, 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 no. no. This, we're allowed to say whatever we want. The the most important thing, and you got to leave this part in. The most important thing is that our podcast has to be better than JF and Chris's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the opening that'll be the opening clip have you have you listened to their podcast no i've not listened to their podcast welcome to episode zero of adsp the podcast recorded on november 14th 2020 my name is Connor, and with my co-host Bryce, today we're going to be talking about what our favorite algorithms are. Hey man, how's it, how's it going? It's, uh, it's pretty good. I just woke up, had myself, uh, had myself a bagel, then I like, napped on my couch for, uh, for half an hour. Was that on to talk with you? Was that intentional mentioning bagels in like the first thirty seconds of our first like inaugural episode of this podcast? I mean, it is a meme with me, but uh, but yeah, but yeah. So, uh, so what's this podcast about? It's going to be about algorithms, data structures, and anything and everything we want to talk about. So, for those of you that so- that don't know, uh, this podcast is going to be modeled after one of my favorite podcasts called Magic Read Along, which is just two guys. Uh, you know, hopping on what sounds like a phone call, uh, chatting about something's programming related, something's not, and uh, hopefully it's entertaining for those that are listening. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, th- that term algorithms plus data structures equals programs. Uh, it was actually one of the first things that my mentor Hartmut Kaiser uh, uh, told me about. Uh, and I don't think he ever mentioned the book to me, but he just he just said something to me in a moment of like programming is just algorithms plus data structures and and Hartman was this uh, this uh, East German guy with this uh, he had a real character to him so he just said it in such a way as if it was just this fundamental truth of the universe and uh, that's something I re- always really took to heart when did, when did you learn that it was a, a book so also for those that aren't aware uh, that what Bryce just said is the title of a Nicholas Wirth book that was published, I don't even know what year, probably in the 70s, which at some point both of us was, would read. Full disclosure, I don't think either of us have read it yet. Uh, we just thought it was a great <laughs> podcast name. <laughs> yeah, I think I first learned about it when you told me about it. And I think prior to that, I my only exposure to that title was Hurtmit having mentioned it to me. And I think I had no idea that it was a book. I just thought it was a, a wise saying that he told me. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that algorithms plus data structures equals programs. Yeah. So what are we going to be talking about today? We've got a question in mind. What's that question? That question is, what is your favorite algorithm? And and I thought that the answer to this question was going to be really easy because I thought both of us were going to say the same algorithm. The algorithm, in fact, that brought us together which is transform reduce or map reduce. Um, and and I, I, I should now, I should give the story of how I met Connor. <laughs> um, so it was, oh God, what year was it? Was it 2018? Uh, technically the first time that we, we talked was in 2018, yes. 
Was but was that when you gave the talk at the user group? Uh, the first time I spoke at the uh, Bay Area C plus plus user group was in January of 2019. But I, okay. I I I moved to the Silicon Valley in on August 5th uh, of 2018, and then I believe it was like August 8th or 9th I went to my first C plus plus yeah. Bay Area user group. Um, and yeah, I don't... I'm gonna say it was 2019 though. Because that was when we really met. That was when we really got to know each other was when you gave that talk. So so for those who don't know, um, uh, I live in the Bay Area. And um, a few years ago, I sort of became one of the main organizers of the Bay Area's C++ user group. Although um, I've since uh, stepped away from that role because uh, I have no free time. Um, but uh, at the time, I was still you know, one of the main organizers. And... Um, you know, we're always looking for people from the community to give talks. And I don't remember if Connor approached me or I approached Connor. But um, Connor came to give this talk. And I still, I still think it is the best talk that Connor's ever given. Uh, and he gave this talk about, um, uh, I think it was at the time, it was still called Algorithm Intuition. And if you want to see a version of this talk, um, the best version, I think, would be to go watch the uh, the version at C++ Now 2019, which won, like, best speaker and best talk, and it won a bunch of awards. Um, and it's essentially, it's a, it's a talk about um, uh, uh, some of the C++ algorithms. I, I think primarily it's talk about um, a, a particular set of the C++ sequence algorithms that are near and dear to my heart, um, uh, some of which are the, the known as the numeric algorithms. And during this talk, one of the things that Connor was particularly excited about, and Connor's a very excited speaker, one of the things he was particularly excited about was transform reduce. Um, transform reduce is an algorithm that if you're not a C++ person, you might know it better under the name of MapReduce. Um, so the idea is that it, it it's an algorithm where it takes an input sequence of items and then it takes two operations that it applies to them. Um, one of those operations is a transformation, which uh, takes uh, some function and applies it to each one of the elements. Um, and then um, the result of that transformation gets fed into a reduction operation. And a reduction operation um, is just an operation which takes two inputs and it produces a single output from it. So, for example, plus is a reduction operation. Plus, you take two inputs, you know, the two things that you're going to add together, and it produces a single value as the output. Um, and it's very powerful. It's used a lot in data science. Um, and so I, I, I had to say, you know, the thing about Connor's talk that really, that really built our friendship was I just thought it was like the best talk ever. And this was at a point in my career where the bar for a talk to impress me was really high. Um, like, you know, I'd sometimes there'd be talks and I'd just be like, ah, this is, this is good, but not like great. But I, I'd, I'd come to have this intuition about like what was truly a great talk. And Connor was sitting there and giving this talk and I just thought, boy, this was great. And one of the reasons I thought it was great was he was talking about all the things that I would talk about when talking about these algorithms. And Connor didn't know it at the time, but I had been the person who had written 
the the like specification in the language for a bunch of these algorithms and Connor was talking about a bunch of the problems and the limitations with them and I was like oh my god this dude gets it and I was so excited and he mentioned at some point in that talk that transform reduces his favorite algorithm and I had given a talk a few years ago about how transform reduces my favorite algorithm because it's so powerful it's so versatile there's so much stuff that you can do about it but I think that we've determined that neither of us actually think transform reduces our favorite algorithm is that right well, I'm actually I'm I'm curious to hear what you're. I know when we spoke about this uh, topic uh, a while back, uh, that was your initial thought, and then I said, "Oh well, at the time, inner product or transform reduce was my favorite algorithm, uh, but I don't think it is anymore." And that's not because I don't love it. It's still you know it's an amazing algorithm. It's still in my top whatever n. Um, but yeah, I think I have a new one now, and I guess maybe you have a new one too. So. Uh... Yeah, well, no, no. I want you go first. You go first. I just, I just said a bunch of words. I want to hear. I want to hear what your your new favorite algorithm. Well, so first, I should say that even before, uh, you know, so inner product for for those of you that um, you know are less familiar with C plus plus, because I imagine we're going to have some non C plus plus developers listening in over time. Um, inner product is the C plus plus eleven name, sort of the precursor. It's not identical because the constraints on the transform reduce, which is a parallel algorithm, um, are are slightly different, uh, but I sort of first learned of transform reduce by the name inner product. And then I thought to myself, wow, this is a really bad name. And then like a couple <laughs> weeks later, discovered the C plus plus 17 version was like, oh my gosh, this is way, way better name. Um, and that's the case with most of the C plus plus uh, 17 parallel algorithms. Uh, but before inner product, probably my favorite algorithm was stood partition, um, which I don't think I've ever said in a talk or anything. Uh, I just loved it because it was a linear runtime algorithm that had sort of the behavior of a sort. I think of partition as like a predicate sort. You pass a predicate and then you sort everything that adheres to it at the beginning and doesn't adhere to it at the end. Uh, but it's a linear runtime, which is super, super nice. Um, so I went from partition uh, to inner product to the renamed version transform reduce uh, to then a new algorithm which exists in uh, very few languages uh, called outer product. Um, and in fact, um, the product quote unquote family of algorithms, I'm just a huge fan of. Um, so, so in that family exists inner product, otherwise known as transform reduce, uh, Cartesian product, uh, which is sometimes just known as product in languages like Python and Ruby and, uh, outer product. And I also wish that there was an al algorithm that I have yet to discover called triangle product, which I mentioned in my CPPCon 2020 talk. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that here. So outer product. Whoa, whoa, why aren't we going to talk about that? I want to know what triangle product is. Uh, well, because these things are supposed to be like 20 to 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, so well, I, I'll explain outer product and then triangle product is just a slight variation of it. Um, but so if you're familiar, so we've discussed inner product, a.k.a. transform reduce. Uh, Cartesian product, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, is basically... Um, in the simple case, you're taking two sequences or two ranges, uh, but in the more complicated, you can take up to n. It's a variadic number of sequences. And basically, you create all possible combinations of each of the elements in that list. So if you have two lists, A, B, C, and then uh, the second list is 1, 2, 3, you create uh, the pairs of elements uh, A1, A2, A3, B1, B2, B3, and C1, C2, C3. Pretty straightforward. Um, so you end up with like, uh, if you have two different length lists, because they don't need to be the same length, you end up with n times m uh, pairs or tuples of elements if you have more than two lists. Um, so a Cartesian product, if we think about it just in sort of the two uh, list or sequence or range case, um, you can actually visualize that as a two-dimensional uh, data structure, like a matrix. Um, 
So in the case where I had A, B, C, and one, two, three, instead of just a Cartesian product gives you back all of the pairs in a single list, outer product gives you back a list of lists or a range of ranges. Um, so you end up with basically a matrix um, that has each of these pairs, except instead of getting back pairs, similar to inner product or transform reduce, you specify a binary reduction operation that is applied to each of those pairs. Mm -hmm. So if you have an outer product, typically now the ABC one, two, three case doesn't make sense. But if you have the numbers, you know, one to five for each list, you can apply the multiplies binary operation. And then your resulting table is a multiplication table. Um, And this is extremely uh, useful in uh, the array-oriented programming paradigm, which, of course, uh, is where the first time on the (laughs) ADSP, the podcast, I'll be mentioning APL. Uh, We can start potentially a drinking game for our listeners every time I mention APL, um, which is my favorite (laughs) programming language. But um, Outer Product, it exists um, in basically every array programming language. APL, J, uh, Julia is probably the most popular array programming language that people have heard of. Um, Haskell also has an Outer Product um, but I think other than those, those are the only languages that I know that have outer product. But you can do um, very, very cool things. And and uh, just to add, if you have Cartesian product and you don't have outer product, you can do a Cartesian product and then call another algorithm called chunk, where you just pass the length of the first sequence and then chunk your uh, list, the resulting uh, list from your Cartesian product to get basically the equivalent of an outer product. But that's my favorite algorithm. I absolutely love it. Um, And maybe C++ 29 ranges will get it. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) What is is your uh, favorite algorithm now, though, Bryce? So my favorite algorithm, to understand it, my favorite algorithm actually tells the story of the start of my career. So it's actually, like, perfect for our first podcast. And my favorite algorithm... um, uh, I will, I will say it's a specific implementation of the algorithm because that leads into the story, which is boost algorithm split. Um, and this, and the reason, well, one of the reasons that this is my favorite is this was the first algorithm, the, fir- the first time I was ever exposed to boost. So back in 2010, um, I was a fresh college dropout. Oh, okay. Technically speaking, I didn't drop out of college. Technically speaking, I flunked out and they kicked me out for, if, we're, if we're being correct about things. And um, it was because I was bored with school and I, um, I played a lot of text-based games called MUDs when I was a kid. And I started learning programming to create my own MUD engine. Um, and uh, I, was, I didn't know anything about programming before I started this. I was working with this guy uh, who, uh, was a programmer and we were doing it in C++, um, which was sort of novel because a lot of MUDs were written in C, but he was like, yeah, I wish you C++, it's more modern, it's better. And, um, uh, so I, I, I first got exposed to the standard library, um, in this project. And then there was one place in this MUD engine where he was using boost and it was, he was using boost um uh, algorithm split and and what what that split algorithm is is it's just a basic tokenization algorithm so um you give it an input sequence um and then you give it a some set of tokens and it takes the input sequence and it chops it up um uh using those tokens so like you know if you had an ip address 
um, and you wanted to split it out into the individual numeric components, your token would be a period. And then what, you know, if I had the IP address uh, 127.0.0.1, um, and I fed it into this tokenization algorithm, it would give me back four components. The first component would be 127, the second one would be zero, the third one would be zero, the last one would be one. Um, and I don't remember exactly what we were using it for in this little mud engine. I think we were using it to, perhaps we were using it to like um, uh, separate out um, commands entered into the mud into, into their constituent components. But um, it was my first exposure to Boost, and I seem to recall I found some sort of bug in the algorithm. And so I went to the Boost people, and I was like, hey, here's this bug. I had this fix for it. Um, and then I very rapidly got completely sidelined from my little game project into contributing to Boost. Um, and I, I, if I recall correctly, what happened was I was my use case got more and more advanced and somebody was like, you should use boost spirit. And then, uh, I started talking with the boost spirit guys and I started contributing to boost spirit. Um, and at the time, uh, uh, you know, one of the main contributors to boost spirit was one of its creators, Hartmut Kaiser. Um, and so I got to know Hartmut and, uh, uh, after, you know, some period of time, uh, Hartmut and I, got talking about, well, I was, I basically approached him on IRC and was like, Hey, I need a job. Cause I was like a 19 year old college dropout. <laughs> and he's like, why don't you buy a one way plane ticket to Louisiana, come down here and work for me. My parents of course, absolutely loved this idea of me, uh, <laughs> of me getting on a plane and going off to some stranger that they'd, uh, never met. My mother thought he was going to be an ax murder. And uh, that was the start of my career. Is your mom um, going to listen to this podcast? <laughs> oh, she'll probably listen to this podcast. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, but I think it's a very cool algorithm. And one of the reasons why it's a very cool algorithm is it's a very common thing that comes up for um, a lot of programmers. Um, e even if you're not doing anything like that complex, I think it's I think tokenization is a fairly common thing to come up. I mean, even just if, if you're just like writing some like command line scripts, like it's a very common thing that you do where you're like, hey, I have this, you know, this input sequence and I need to divide it up in some way. Um, and uh, it also, it sort of leads into some interesting discussions about uh, uh, efficiency. You know, one of the reasons that we introduced string view into C++17 was to allow you to write an algorithm like this more efficiently. So let's go back to that example of parsing an IP address. Let's say that I've got a string that stores some IP address, um, a std string specifically. Um, and uh, I want to split that std string up into its constituent components. So a std string is an owning string. You know, it owns, it owns the memory for the string that it points to. So if my API for split is that it um, takes a std string in and it returns a vector of std strings. Well, boy, that is not efficient at all, is it? Because then what I'm doing is I'm taking this one initial input string and for each one of the constituent components, I have to make a copy of that, that piece of the string and stick it into the vector that I'm going to return. 
And so one of the canonical examples for, for why C++17 string view is useful is split. Because if I have a string view, what a string view is, is it's a non-owning view into some other string. So if I, if I have one string that's my input string, and I want to split it up into, you know, the constituent components, string view is perfect for this because the string view is non-owning. It can just refer to the piece of the string that it that it um, uh, refers to, um, and that the storage for that string is owned by the original input. Uh, and so instead of returning a string view, you can return a vector of string views, or perhaps even something better than a vector. And um, uh, this is ac it's actually even more interesting uh, because uh, just coincidentally, uh, this week, um, uh, what one of my other jobs is I'm the chair of the C++ committee's library design group. And we got a paper this week um, talking about improving um, string splitting in C++. So C++ 20 introduced ranges, which is a more powerful idiom for um, composing algorithms than our previous idiom, which was iterator based. And uh, one of the things that's introduced in C++ 20 is a, uh, uh, a ranges view called split view. But there's kind of a little bit of a problem with split view. Um, and this paper tries to address it. The problem is split view in C++ 20, you, can, you give it you know, some sequence and it gives you back um, a sequence of sequences. The issue is what type of iterators that sequence of sequence gives you. So my understanding from the proposal is that today, um, the iterators that you get back um, from split view only provide the forward iterator guarantee. And this is problematic because almost all of the string APIs expect contiguous iterators. So suppose that you're taking C++ 20's um, split and you want to do something like parse an IP address um, and then you want to call the C library function A2I or the more modern version from cars to convert each one of those IP constituent components to an actual integer type. But you can't do that because the iterators that split gives you are not the correct type of iterators to feed into from cars and, or, and they're not the correct type of iterators to turn into, um, to give to A2I because A2I expects actual, you know, pointers. Uh, so there's this proposal. Um, oh God, I'm not going to remember the proposal number. I'm sure, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure we can add it. In we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, uh, superior string splitting is the name of the paper. Here, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, but uh, this proposal essentially aims to fix this problem. Um, here, here, I, I got the paper number. It's P2210 by Barry Rebson. Uh, and that IP example is like the first example in the paper. So if you go in and look at that paper, you'll see immediately what I mean. Um, and this proposal uh, uh, attempts to remedy that in C++ to make um, uh, the split view a lot more useful when working with strings. Um, and and the, the, other, the other algorithm, which is, you know, I think sort of combined with this, is the algorithm for um, 
joining a set of um, strings with a delimiter. We've all probably written this at some point. You know, you have like a um, you have a vector of strings, and you want to insert a comma in between them. And I'm sure we've all written the the naive form of this, where you've just got some for loop, and it just does like you know, if I'm the first one, then don't insert it, etc. But you could probably tell me if there's like what the name of that algorithm is. I don't even actually know what the name of that algorithm is, and like you know, all the cool kid algorithm languages. What's the variant that you just described? It's the, the like like where where it inserts a comma in in between every every element, but like not it doesn't insert one before the first element or after the last element. Uh, that that depends on the language, but like typically that is called um, is it, it's doing the concatenation as well, right? Right, right. It's also yeah, doing the concatenation. So typically that is like there's several different names, but yeah, join. Uh, concat or flatten typically don't take a delimiter. I know in Haskell there's an algorithm called intersperse, which is the same thing as join, uh, but like minus the concatenation. So like if you yeah. have a list of elements, it will just insert uh, in between every element uh, the new element that you want there, but like doesn't join them. So you still end up with a list of elements. Um, but I think typically and what's it called? It's called intersperse. Intersperse. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. two different inter algorithms. One is, uh, intersperse and one is interleave and, uh, little C plus plus trivia fact. If you've watched, um, uh, Eric Niebler, who is the author behind the range V3 library, which was the work that was sort of done to show, um, what C plus plus ranges could look like, uh, in his calendar talk, I believe it was CPPCon 2015, but I plus or minus one. Uh, he shows an algorithm for transposing, which is just a composition of chunk and interleave. Uh, interleave being where basically you have n different sequences, and then you take one element at a time from each one uh, so that you reorder them that way. Um, and then you go and take the second element from each algorithm, uh, so on and so forth. But um, yeah, join, I think, is cla it's a classic name for it. Um, interestingly, the join that we got in range of C20 doesn't take a delimiter. Um, so in the current C23 uh, proposal for sort of extending the range algorithms and or adapters, I should say, and views, um, we've had to propose join with because, unfortunately, the way we design join uh, doesn't enable us to extend uh, the interface such that it can take a delimiter. So we now need two different algorithms for that, which... Is this going to be another example that you're going to show in a talk where you're going to have a list of what every programming language calls it, and it's going to be the same for every programming language, and then you're going to have you're going to have what C++ calls it, and it's going to be different? Uh, join is not as consistently named... Um as some other ones. So like the classic example that Bryce may or may not be explicit, implicitly referring to is the fact that C++ calls uh, what every language calls map um, stood transform uh, because we accidentally already chose map for our uh, ordered associative containers and ordered. Yeah. Um, yeah so that, that and, uh, and this, this is a real problem. Like, like people think that names might not matter, but, I, I bet you, you know, the first half of this talk, we talked about transform reduce. And I bet you that a lot of our audience would have not really known what transform reduce is. But if we said, you know, we, we did say map reduce, you know, if you say map reduce, a lot more people know that because that's what that's what it's called in every other language. Um, and like, it's not only that, it's not only that transform is called map in every other language, it's that map reduce is a specific paradigm. So our mistake of calling 
map transform then led to this other mistake of the common paradigm of MapReduce not being called MapReduce in C++. And, and the problem also exists in reverse. So I had heard of MapReduce and the whole Hadoop, uh, you know, you know uh, at scale, doing this kind of computation. And I think MapReduce, you know, uh, became very popular at Google for a while, or maybe still is. Uh, and I thought, that was, I thought it was different than what trans... Like, I learned transform reduce and, like, never made the connection until I started learning functional programming. Um, and so, like, yeah it's, yeah, it's both a problem for C++ developers uh, relating things to, you know, in other languages or paradigms, um, and also for, you know, software developers coming to C++. Um, but, yeah, naming, naming is hard. <laughs> well, and that sort of gets to, you know, the, one of the reasons why I didn't explain really why I like Transform Reduce so much, but the reason is, you know, I, you're, you're much more an algorithms guy than me. I'm more of a system software sort of guy, but really my my expertise and specialty is in parallel programming and concurrent programming. Um, uh, and uh, w- you know, one of my jobs at NVIDIA is I'm the the team lead for Thrust, which is our parallel algorithms library, our implementation of C++ 17 parallel algorithms. And I think Transform Reduce is the most useful of the parallel algorithms. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe. I'll temper that a little bit. I'll say that reduce is one of the most useful. Um, and I say that because in our implementation, um, we implement many algorithms in terms of other algorithms. And uh, the, the algorithm that the most number of algorithms are implemented in terms of is reduce and transform reduce. Um, you know, there's things like... Uh, uh, the extrema functions, you know, min element, max element, um, count if, etc. All of those are implemented in terms of reductions and transform reduce in uh, in our parallel algorithms library. Um, and uh, in general, it's just a very useful parallel algorithm. Yep, there was a talk given by you know moving outside the parallel world, uh, a talk that Ben Dean gave, I believe it was at 2016 CppCon called. Uh, stood accumulate an algorithmic empire where he showed that of the 90 algorithms across a couple headers, uh, 77 of them with a little bit of sort of uh, bending and twisting were implementable in terms of stood accumulate, which is what the C++11 uh, standard calls basically stood reduce. Once again, slight differences yeah. on restrictions uh, due to the parallel nature of the reduce algorithm. But um, yeah, you start to see reductions everywhere. I remember when I listened to the first... Uh, Lambda Cast podcast where they were talking about sort of maps, um, reduces and filters, and they were talking about how like there's catamorphic functions and anamorphic functions. Catamorphic functions are the ones that do reductions. Anamorphic is exactly split, so it's when taking a list and you end up with a list of lists. So like chunk, split, uh, group by, they're all versions of anamorphic ones. But like these categories are just everywhere, and that like once you learn them everything starts to look like a reduction. Um, I think there's a paper yeah. called Beautiful Folds where they show that like basically everything is implementable in terms of a reduction. Yeah, I, I have this great, um, this great uh, diagram that I made that shows the dependencies between, you know, which algorithms are implemented in terms of other algorithms in our parallel algorithms layer. Uh, and I, I, just, I just shared it. I just sh- shared it with you on my screen, although 
It's not great for the podcast audience. I was going to say, now, now you know what this means. We're going to have to start uh, screen capturing and putting these on YouTube as well, because now our listeners are going to feel left out that we're staring at their screens and they're not. <laughs> Plus, you you need you need you need the pictures like the video <laughs> evidence of how excitable we get. But um, yeah, it, it's really fascinating some of the things that are implemented with reductions in Thrust. Like um, uh, so, find if is one whole family of algorithms that we implement in terms of reductions. Um, uh, in parallel algorithms, oftentimes. Um, uh, short-circuiting algorithms or algorithms where you can give up early, it doesn't make sense to do those um, in our implementation. Well, uh, give, give implementation, up is a, is a bit of a misnomer. Like, it, you've already found your results, so you can stop iterating. Right, right. You can stop iterating, but in the case of, like, something that you're going to GPU accelerate, it's actually more expensive to make an algorithm that's going to stop, uh, that's going to be efficient, than an algorithm that's going to be fast. So... Yeah, so, so so making an algorithm that's going to stop as soon as it finds um, the result is going to potentially be slower than an algorithm that just uh, uh, exhaustively searches the entire um, input sequence. So we implement find not find if in terms of reduce, and then we implement um, find if not in terms of find if. And interestingly, we implement partition point um, in terms of find if not, and we in implement mismatch in terms of find if not. Um, uh, so, so essentially, we implement mismatch and then equal uh, in terms of reduce. And, and mismatch is an interesting one because I know that's one of your that's one that's an algorithm that's also near and dear to your heart. So maybe you can talk a little bit about mismatch. Well, so we're 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 getting close to when we got to wrap this up, but definitely I'll I'll say a little bit about mismatch. But first, partition point. I recently so in uh, the follow up to the talk that Bryce mentioned at the beginning, algorithm intuition was a another talk with a very similar title, but they're completely different talks. Better algorithm intuition. I point out that there are five uh, binary searches in uh, the algorithm header. Most people are familiar with at least three, um, and, and I would say at least one. The one is being binary search, and then there's two other flavors, lower bound and upper bound. Um, and then there's a fourth one called equal range, which is basically a combination of lower bound and upper bound. But there's a fifth one that very few people have heard of, um, or have heard of, but don't realize that it's a binary search. Um, and that's partition point. Um, and this has come up recently twice in like code reviews of people asking, I need like a binary search, but that looks at two elements at a time. So it takes a binary predicate and finds the place where the element on the left returns true and the element on the right returns uh, false um, for like some unary predicate, which you can then sort of fold into a binary predicate. I recently, the reason I'm going on this little tangent here is I recently discovered that we actually have a section in the uh, C++ ISO standard for binary algorithms, binary search algorithms, and partition point isn't in it. Um, it's in the <laughs> section next to partition because um, there's partition is partitioned and partition point. Um, so even in our standard, we don't acknowledge that uh, partition point is the fifth uh, binary search algorithm. Um, but anyways, yes, and mismatch uh, mismatch is the generic version of adjacent find, and adjacent find is the generic version of is sorted until, and uh, is sorted until can be used to program or to, to code um, is sorted. Um, so that was like a relationship that I would found. And interestingly, in the same talk that I just mentioned, better algorithm intuition, um, I thought that this was amazing. I'm not sure actually, Bryce, if you recall, uh, we had... Um, you know, non-alcoholic beverages in, what is that bar called? Uh, Shannon's at the top of NVIDIA. 
Um, and yes, that no. was the time when I had I had made this discovery um, that adjacent find uh, was implementable in terms of what I had then called the most uh, you know the worst named or the most poorly named algorithm in the C algorithm header. And I was scared to tell anybody because I wanted to be the first person in a talk to say, oh, my goodness, look at what do you think? And so I, I did this game where I said, what is is sorted implementable in terms of? And you said is sorted until. And then I asked, what's in, is sorted until implementable in terms of? Uh, and then I think you got adjacent find. And then I said, and there's one more. And you couldn't get it. Uh, uh, but no one got it. And so then I told you it stood mismatch. And I was super excited. Um, I asked Sean Parent this. Uh, and when I asked him what is is sorted until implementable in terms of, he skipped over adjacent find and went straight to stud mismatch. <laughs> um, so in, in my talk, I call it the Sean Parent uh, game because um, everyone should aspire to be as knowledgeable at, about your algorithms as he is because um, he, he just knew it off the back of his hand. So what, one, one of these episodes, we will talk about you and your fanboy love for Sean Parent. That's that's fine. We can do that. I mean, that's an appropriate topic. Uh, everyone should be a, a fanboy of Sean Parent. Um, I mean, he he single handedly can like him and Kate Gregory basically. Uh, he started sort of the the road to my public speaking, um, and then Kate Gregory. I stole the title of my talk um, from from her CPP cast episode. I think it was thirty. Um, but yeah, like when I when I see Sean's talks like they they are so inspiring um, and they just make they yeah. make me want to like inspire I hope that like someday I can inspire people like the way that like Sean inspired me um, yeah his C++ seasoning talk his generic programming talk when he talks about how reading Alexander Stepanov's code was just like mind-blowing for him like that's that's just my, like so awesome. my favorite of his talks was I think his C++ now 2014. Uh, keynote where he talked about um, he talked about um, essentially porting uh, porting some Adobe app to run on the iPad and talked about um, sort of the fundamentals of where you can get performance on modern processors and how you have to turn to parallelism and how you have to turn to accelerators to get performance and uh, as somebody who's in that field, I just thought it was it was just a super inspiring talk. Um, and uh, I mean, I, at, that, at the time, I was really in the HPC world. And Sean is Sean is not somebody who's an HPC programmer. And I was really awestruck with how how many of the things that he was talking about, like he was talking about getting performance on an iPad. An iPad is not an HPC platform, but the way in which he was talking about it was just as applicable to um, uh, how you get performance on the world's largest supercomputers. And I was just like, wow, this guy is, this guy knows his stuff. Yep. Sean is a, Sean is an inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe with and, that, uh, maybe we should call it right there. That's the yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> the I final line of our, our first episode is Sean is an inspiration. Um, and yeah, I think with that, yeah. we'll just say uh, thanks to everyone that's listening. And anything else you want to say, Bryce? Uh, no, no, I'm good. If you, uh, if you have a favorite algorithm and you want to share it with us, uh, go follow us on Twitter at ADSP, the podcast, and let us know what's your favorite algorithm.